Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Chris and this week I'm joined by Joe. Hello. And Rory. Hello. And this week we're going to kick off uh, with a subject inspired by an email that we received. This is how much we respect our listeners. Yeah, yeah. all the way from South Africa. What? Uh, Liam writes in and says... Um, Firstly, awesome to have Joe on the podcast. Oh, hey. hello. Uh, I've been nice. following him and Gav since then, Nintendo days. <gasps> the dark oh. days. Uh, my question is, what's the best game to play with non-gamers? I've tried many times to play with my dad and found all first-person games to be very confusing for the uninitiated. Games like Portal 2 left him disoriented and confused. However, I've had much better success with Brothers, um, A Tale of Two Sons, The Walking Dead, and most recently Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. On your recommendation, so thanks for that. Uh, what are your go-to games for non-gamers? Do you know what's absolutely brilliant about this is that looking at our list, he's covered 50% of the stuff we've suggested. <laughs> in that one email there's, there's some there's, there's some different ones but it's an interesting question because uh, as people who listen to the podcast for a while know I used to be a big gamer I've stopped because I just don't have time and I'm trying to read books and see all the TV books, shows Chris I'm Games trying to watch the all the freaking TV shows to talk about and write about and all the films, and I have I just don't feel like I've got enough time. But I have found it a little bit off-putting, some of the hardcore games, when people are saying they spent 50 hours playing yeah. or 80 mm. hours, and they look complicated, and it's a little bit off-putting. So, yeah, let's put it to you guys, although obviously some of these were already said, but you can talk about them nevertheless. We can. Well, I mean, the most interesting one for me is... Uh the him saying Portal Two didn't work, and yeah. Rory suggested Portal. I suggested Portal Portal One mm-hmm. for very specific reasons. Okay, Portal Two is much more advanced than Portal One, and they introduce a lot more elements. Story's richer, but Portal One essentially—I don't know if you know a lot about that game, Chris. Do, yeah, one of the most yeah. popular games of all time. Yep, um, I've interviewed one of the voice actors about it once. Ooh, was she an opera singer? Oh was no, the, the Glados. That's yeah, voice, yeah. It was probably Glados. Was it a woman? No, it was um, Stephen Merchant. Oh, oh yeah, right, yeah, of course. That's Portal, Portal 2, yeah. Two, yeah. <laughs> you probably could have just Quickly. said Stephen Merchant. I was like, <laughs> Stephen Merchant, the opera singer? Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic game. The first one can be completed within two hours. Two or it's three hours. Very hour short, very bite sized. Yep. Um, getting your head around these puzzles takes a little bit of time. But as I said, it's, it's a lot more simple than the first one. I think it's a great game to play with someone and just be in a room and work it out together. I think it's great. There's a good sense of achievement. Mm. I would definitely recommend it. Good one. And it inspired Dan Trachtenberg to make Portal No Escape, which led to him making 10 Cloverfield Lane. So which is amazing. Did all media. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's got some good twists in there. Some all good media things, being. We won't, we won't go into that. Games and movies. That's all I care about. Um, so, well, he, um, I, I, I can't remember the name of the email. Liam, Liam. Liam suggested... Um, Gorjo. He's like... Sorry, Liam. Joe's dead to me now. Liam knows my name. Um, <laughs> he suggested The Walking Dead. I would expand that to Telltale, that developers' games, well, Walking Dead and everything after that, which are yeah. essentially story-driven adventure games that I've, I've played with a lot of non-gamers because mm. it's got that TV show element of someone can walk in and go, What's going on here? And then they just end up watching for yeah. two hours. And every so they come out episodically, so it's about hour and a half, two hours per episode. And you get these really nicely sketched stories that just like go weird places that video games can take things. And so you've got and, and take weird subjects. So after The Walking Dead, they did The Wolf Among Us, which is based on a series of comics called Fables. Um, which is sort of a fairy tale society in New York, which is really weird. Love it. Um, and then Tales from the Borderlands, which took 
uh, just a shooty gun game and turned it into genuinely one of the funniest games I've ever played. Which is great because um, the characters in that game are already yeah, amazing, amazing and it's great to just like, spend some time with them yeah, exactly. not just like shooting weird yeah, space you're not, dogs. You're, you, it kind of recontextualizes what you expect of a game which is shooting guys and blood and yeah. guns. Am, am I right in thinking in the early days they did Back to the Future and it wasn't they did it was before the they kind of nailed yeah, so what, what they were doing. The Walking yeah. Dead was their moment of yeah. we've nailed this and now they've got a formula so now they're doing Marvel and uh, can Batman. They, and can they go back and redo Back to the Future? Then that I'll would be, be nice. Great. Then I'm definitely in. Or maybe just te- maybe to go into Team Wolf. Well, that would be good. <laughs> They've probably got Team Wolf in the, in the <laughs> works. Back to, back, got, to like, the back to the Future 2 would be a really good one to do. Mm. Because then um, ah. you could make decisions early on in the game and then later on go buy somewhere where you can see yourself making the decision that you made oh, earlier on in the game. no. That would be pretty cool. Nailed That'd it. That would be pretty Mind good. Fuck. I don't Nailed know it. if the Western would work <laughs> so well. Well, go with it. See, yeah. how, see what they can do. See if they can improve uh, but No, it. I totally agree. That's a really accessible game. Same thing as you said. Like someone can just walk into a room and be mm. like, oh, what's going on? And the next thing you know, you've been sitting there for like two hours watching this whole thing unfold and I think the biggest problem for a lot of non-gamers is (coughs) controllers if you're having to look at a controller to understand where stuff is if you don't have that muscle memory then it just becomes a hindrance to playing it it was called a joystick in my day well exactly (laughs) now now joysticks are gone what are you going to do and there was one button (laughs) Um, one button yeah, yeah yeah a red button a joystick and a red button that was it just couldn't afford more buttons. Wow. It's simple but effective. <laughs> so you, you're also liking brothers uh, that Liam suggests as well. Yeah. Well, sorry, Joe is. You're, well, yeah, brothers is one of mine as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, brothers is an amazing little game and and flew right under the radar. It came out on new gen um, a few years after it came out. But essentially, what it is is you control two brothers in this sort of creepy Norse fantasy world, going on a quest. I, I won't spoil why they're doing this. Um, but it's essentially a series of puzzles that you solve with, uh, actually, not unlike the joysticks of old, um, one thumbstick and one button. And each thumbstick. So each thumbstick on the controller controls a brother. So the left one is the big brother and the right one's the little brother. And then a trigger on the back controls them interacting with stuff in the world. What you can do, and what a lot of people do, is play with someone else, both holding one half of the pad. Oh, so they that's get a, cute. a brother each, so you don't have that dissonance of trying to control two people at once. But it's genuinely one of the saddest and most like beautifully sketched um, and almost wordless games that I've ever played. Like It's just them going from one place to another um, and having this sort of old-school fantasy quest. It's got that sort of 80s vibe of... It's definitely fine for kids, but it's incredibly scary and weird at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's just amazing. There's nothing else like it. That's what the best kids' stories are like. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Should I play this with my brother? Or uh, will get, things get too emotional? And it, too, it, too does, it is genuinely... And we'll have to be like, ooh, ooh let's go to the gym. <laughs> there's, there's a moment. It's the, it's Shake it up. <laughs> Shake it up. You guys want a beer? Uh. <laughs> it's, it's one of the only games where... Pressing a button has nearly made me cry because oh, no. of the implications oh, of it. God. It's amazing. I don't know if I right. that. We need to film you playing this with your brother and see if one of you cries, and then f- and then film you go- heading to the gym together. It's it's really funny because my my brother is two years younger than me, yeah. and I'm always like, oh, my little brother. He's like a foot taller than me, <laughs> yeah. and he's built like a like brick shit house. He's so huge, mm. it's ridiculous. But I'm just like, hey, little buddy, like reaching up, like <laughs> ruffling his hair and stuff. 
So he would definitely tear up in that game, which, would, nice. which would be worth I think, play. I think you're going to suggest a game that you've probably played with your brother. Yeah. Oh, God. My, my family played this game to death, yeah. like many families did growing up, and that is Mario Kart. Uh, well, this is a game I've definitely played. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hope so. Yeah. God, I'd be really worried if you hadn't played this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, this game is kind of perfect for... Um, a lot, a lot of times you, you play it in like social mm. gatherings with a lot of people who don't play video games before. And it's perfect. It's very simple racing game, easy enough to use the weapons. It's just steer, launch. You never really have to like reverse or break or slide. I mean, those are a bit more advanced. But then also, because of the mechanics of the game, the worse you're doing in the race, the better weapons you get, and you have a better chance of catching up. Mm. So often I find if you're playing with people who are not that great and they're not doing as good as the people who played it a lot, they still have a fun time. They get the best weapons and they have that chance at the last lap to mm. get something that'll push them forward. And it always seems to be quite a close game and quite tense. And I feel like that's really nice because the last thing you want when you're playing a game for the first time is just to yeah. lose every race. Well, it's kind of interesting that it, they, they play that balance. Like they've got it wrong a few times, but I reckon the latest game pretty much nailed it, which yeah. is when you're a good player and you're at the front of the pack, it's a skill game. It's about taking mm-hmm. every corner mm-hmm. right. It's about hitting every boost. Whereas when you're at the back, it's just about seeing all the cool shit that it throws at yeah, you. Yeah, just, just like crazy rainbows is, and turtles and It's stuff weird and that like one race, like two ends of the race, can have two completely different experiences that suit two different kinds of games. Yeah. So yeah. It's really cleverly it's designed. And that, I mean, that's what you were saying. It's one of the reasons I don't really <coughs> like playing FIFA in the office because I haven't played much FIFA for years. Everyone's playing it every lunch hour. Everyone's so good at it. Yeah. It's just not much fun when you're playing against someone that's no, no. And that's the, literally the whole point. That's and why you're playing F- the game. FIFA's an intensely complicated game. I think because people play it their entire lives, they sort of forget. But it, it's yeah. basically like a, an incredibly complex action game where you're controlling eleven different people at once. There's, there's yeah. very few games yeah. that are as insanely detailed as those. And your your final choice is a bit is in the Mario Kart universe. I would yeah, say. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to put this up. Like I was going to go for something really kind of easy and dull, like Wii Sports or something, which is just you know you're just moving your body, just yeah. pretty much accessible to everyone. But I went for a different one because it's it's one of my favorite games of the year. We talked about it so much, so we won't go on about it for too long. But Rocket League, it is as easy as telling someone it's football with cars mm. and they already know what they have mm. to do and how to play the game and that's it it's one of those games where it takes a second to learn how to play and you know a month to actually master mm. but it doesn't really matter because a lot of the time it's just up to odds and physics and the way it's hit it's it can be quite a chaotic game and it skill does come into it a certain factor but often it's just the ball will bounce in a crazy way and score a goal and they're always quite intense games and quite exciting it's the same you can play with a bunch of friends Hmm. and everyone can just pick up the controller and play definitely would recommend it and it has split screen you don't need two consoles which is great same with Mario Kart as well that is a weird thing that that's sort of disappearing and you forget that it's really sad that's the way in for a lot of people when Halo announced that they weren't doing split screen four or five I was big deal livid I was furious that's like so much of my life would be like get my friends over and we'd all play Mm. Halo split screen together and now they're like should I bring my Xbox so we can play Halo it's ridiculous and And it's like no let's just do the social thing and stay at our own houses and play (laughs) ridiculous Um, but definitely Rocket League it's 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 so much fun it's also the reason no one in this office has done any work for the last year yeah yeah it's pretty pretty much lunch times are just uh, we've got this rivalry going on at the minute between Alex and Krups and me and uh, Dale 
where it's so frustrating. We'll play maybe six games at lunch. Me and Dale will win five of those games. And then the last one, every time, just under pressure, we crumble. And Alex and Krups will just clean up. And they'll be like, oh, I guess we're uh, reigning champions every <laughs> single lunchtime. And of course, because... Uh, because as Alex, he'll win a game and he'll be like, you know what, guys, that's lunch. That's lunch. <laughs> yep. Everyone back to work. Or if we win the last game, he'll be like, we can squeeze in one more. We can squeeze in one more before we go back. It's have ridiculous. You have, you, have you ever heard the phrase, quit while you're ahead? Uh, yes. Use it. Yeah, but then. What, get, is, get what if you could get further ahead? ahead? What is the Yorg? The Yorg is um, a very strange game. It is. It looks like a typo. It does look like a typo. It's spelled Y-A-H-W-G. Um, and essentially, it's a social choose-your-own-adventure game. Right. So, it's, it's not unlike Telltale Games mm. in that it's story-based and that makes it accessible. Essentially, you are told that you are a character in a sort of medieval fantasy town. And in, I think it's 12 weeks, the Yog is going to hit. And you don't know what it is, but you know it's disastrous. That's and you cool. get these little like that. clues that you have to prepare for this huge disaster that's coming. So up to four of you choose a character each, and each turn in the game is a week of time. So you've got 12 turns, and you just travel around the town, choosing different districts and places in it, and doing various <clears throat> little jobs that tell little bits of story. So it might be... About the Yaug? Not about the Yaug, but about your character just helping out, protecting people, or... So it can be anything from fighting crime on the back alleys to just working in a pub. And it gives you... It's just London life, isn't it? It kind of is, yeah. That's just how we roll. Um, And it's like... So you'll you'll get these little stories. So you might be working in the pub and a fight breaks out and that boosts your you help break it up and that boosts like your strength. Gotcha. Or you can or it gets really weird. You can go and like chop down wood in the woods and then come across like a wood nymph who leads you on this like merry tale and you get like blessed with some magic. And it's basically just about building up your stats. And then at the end of these twelve weeks, everyone's stats are sort of plugged in. And it tells the tale of what happened when the Yog hit and oh, what so your character it, did based on that. So is it that. different every time, yeah. depending on your stats? Okay. So you can either, like, this entire town can get leveled and your character can, can... Like, if your character has spent too much time in the pub, they become, like, a drunk and just ruin everything for everyone and the town is destroyed. Or you can, if you've all done really well, through a combination of luck and knowing what you need to mm-hmm. be good at, you can create, like, you can save the town. And so it tells this really strange interlocking story of all these people working around this town and, yeah. like, in this really sort of strange and lovely way. It's it's an amazing little thing. I think it's, like, four or five quid, and just to sit down and play through once takes about half an hour, and you get your own personal story amongst your group of friends, and it's, it's amazing. That's really cool. It's so really you, know cool what, you know what the Yaug is? I do know what the Yaug is. You're telling me after this podcast? Yeah, we'll play the Yaug. Okay, great. we can Yaug it up. It'll be intense. <laughs> Awesome. Well, those are our ideas for gamers to p- games play with non-gamers. Yeah. But if you have any ideas, write in and let us know. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. I think, crucially, Ooh. we need to know what you would play. That's what I was just going to ask. Which one would you choose from that list? I quite fancy giving um, a Telltale game a go. Yep. I think that's a good call. Uh, just mm, it have to be on the right sort of subject. Yeah, but there, there's millions of them now, yeah. so there's always something on, yeah. on a subject. And um, I've been not playing Rocket League for a reason, because I feel like <laughs> if I start, I won't stop. But I am very tempted by Rocket League. It's, that's my kind of 
sports game. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, thanks for the choices, guys. Um, right, let's go into some good stuff. Some, straight in, some straight breaking rad. Action. And I'm going to talk about something that's a bit odd, but something I'm really interested in. Um, lately in the States, they've started turning musicals into live TV productions, which is how TV really started. The, the, the big dramas that were on in the 50s and 60s that would be big productions would be live on television mm. in America. And so they've tried to bring that back with stuff like The Sound of Music, Peter Pan, The Wiz and Grease. Uh, none of which screened over here, I don't think, or if they did, not they weren't live, and none of which I was that interested in. Hmm. But this one's got me interested, A Few Good Men. Have you seen A Few Good Men? I have. I have not. I actually know part of the, the monologue that oh Jack Nicholson God. does. Is it the one about people standing on walls with guns? Oh, that yeah. One? oh, yeah. Do you want to do it? Oh, of course I do. I have neither the time or the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of freedom in which I provide and then questions the matter in which I provide it. I would rather you... Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh I lost it. I thought that was you acting. Oh, no. Oh, so good. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. That was one of the, like, I love Jack Nicholson. He's one of my favorite actors of all yeah. time. And that whole speech was just, like, mind-blowing for me. Just watching him, I was, like, entranced. It, it was, was the perfect role for him. So it it was absolutely a, was. It was yeah. a 1989 play, which I didn't know. I went to see it in the cinema when it came out. I didn't, mm. I didn't know it was based on the play. It was the first thing, one of the first things Aaron Sorkin Wrote and he did it when he was like a kid. Like I'm pretty sure he was at uni. I hate when when he I hear that, exactly. yeah. yeah, I'm just like you, son of a bitch. You're ruining it for yeah. the rest of he us. Did it when he was twelve. Yeah. And it, it was oh. a military courtroom drama, uh, and then they turned it into a movie that starred Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. And it was so heavily hyped. This is this movie where the young pretender is taking on, you know, this big bear of a superstar and, and, and Cruz held his own but you know Nicholson won oh. the Oscar and just nails it at the end yeah. it's such an entertaining film and they're going to do it live on the telly uh, with Sorkin kind of rewriting the script hmm. um, and that's one I wish they would air over here yeah. but, so who do you think they should cast in the roles Ooh. because well, so you want them to recreate that dynamic you want it to be the young the young actor versus the yeah. the, the old veteran one. yeah like I don't know who's. I mean, the thing is, actors seem to come through so fully formed now. There's never like, there's not that like teen star feel anymore. I guess like, I don't know. Is Tom Hiddleston new enough? I know. I don't know whether he can do an American accent, but like, but he he even seems quite mature. I think there's something. About yeah, I think you're Tom right. Tom Cruise there's nothing- there. Like is is quite childish and naive about so him. The ones I write down, I thought Ryan Gosling for the Tom Cruise role. Okay. Yeah. Like a cocky young upstart. And yeah. then and then uh Brian Cranston for Oh, that's perfect. That is actually Brian perfect. Cranston would be because, great. because you couldn't do it the way Nicholson does it, which is just shouting him down. Yeah. You'd have to do it in a sl- you'd have to go a different direction. Quiet and fury. Think, yeah. Yeah. He can do that. <laughs> I am the one that ordered the cold red. <laughs> <laughs> it would be perfect, yeah. But yeah, anyway, that's um, that's going to air... When is it going to air? In 2017, our casting to be announced soon, later. So anyway, yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting thing. Do it as a Starsky and Hutch-style comedy version instead. <laughs> Have, like, Andy Samberg versus Will Ferrell. Oh, that God. That more like incredible. a sketch than a two-hour TV event. Uh, Rory, you want to talk about something... Oh, I do. I, I absolutely understand. do. Um, this is a, this is an anime. It's one of the most popular animes in history. It's called Full Metal Alchemist, and it's just been announced that it's getting a live action movie. 
Um, That's always a worry. It is always a worry. And I think, like, anime live-action movies are entering the realm along with uh, superhero movies and video game movies. I think we've, we're in a great spot now with superhero movies. I'm hoping we're going to be at that spot with um, video game movies when Assassin's Creed comes mm-hmm. out and okay. Warcraft mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm very optimistic about these sort of things. And I'm trying to bring that optimism to uh, live-action anime movies. <laughs> trying to. That's, I'm trying. That's ominous. This is, I mean, this is a story that lends itself really well to a, a full-on movie. Mm. So to give you like, a brief description, mm. uh, it's about these two brothers who uh, their mother unfortunately passes away and they decide that they're going to try and bring her back to life using alchemy like as children mm-hmm. um, she comes back just terrible, as some gold terrible it, it is it goes incredibly wrong one of the brothers loses an arm and a leg and the other one his body's destroyed and, <laughs> what? And his, what does that mean? he's completely like destroyed but um, is he just a head? Well, the older brother manages to uh, transfer his soul into a suit of armor. Well, of course. So the whole series, <laughs> it, it kind of like moves forward with these two brothers um, trying to find a way to get their their human bodies back. And it's just, I know like people have a lot of like ideas of what an anime is just based on, you know, the general insaneness. being put in armor for me. But this is, it's like, it's so deep. The relationship between the brothers is so strong. The characters are incredible. The story's great. It's one of those ones where there's this whole overarching story that all ties together with little pieces. And I think if this is done well, it could be an incredible movie. So is it a Japanese production or is this an American this production? This is a Japanese production. Okay. Yeah. Which... Um, can go either way. I mm. feel like the cultural differences make those movies either a hit or a miss because yeah. there's been some live action Japanese ones that are really, really terrible just because it's not intended for us as an audience. Like the um, Attack on Titan films. Yeah. I think they had a better reception in Japan than they did over here. Mm. They just didn't work as well as the, th- the, vid- the movies were used mm. to with like a certain level of visual effects and cinematography and that sort of stuff. It was a bit jarring. But equally, there's another popular uh, anime called Death Note. And it's oh. getting a, a Western yeah. live-action movie. Yeah, but they've spent years developing that. I've, I've actually read and watched Death Note. You have? Yeah. Great series, Amazing. right? Absolutely Amazing. incredible. A guy I know was working on a script for it a few years ago, a guy who's now writing with Shane Black. And, um, yeah, it's just never it's never gone into production. And it's yeah. like, this seems like a no-brainer. It's the same with that. Absolutely. There was that Akira live-action that they've been trying to make for years yeah, as well. That, Wasn't that, that Keanu Reeves or something? Yeah, the budget. The budget got out of hand on that one and they I shut it down. Well, they've got, at the, so at the minute, in terms of uh, Western movies, they have Death Note in production and Ghost in the Shell as well. I was with, literally um, going to... I, I, I wrote it down because <laughs> I want to I get your thoughts on this because, obviously... Then finally making it, which is awesome, yeah. but it's Scarlett Johansson is the lead, and it's yeah, the westernization and the whitification of. Uh, I guess it goes it goes both ways. I think it's you could e- easily have a Japanese live action version of the movie, mm. and it's the same. So, or for cast example, a Japanese actor, yeah, it's, it's true. But like they've got Takeshi Kitano is yeah. going to be in it, who's a terrific, brilliant actor. But yeah, I mean, it's just gonna. There's gonna be so much criticism of this when it comes to you know the trailer dropping and people yeah. going to see it. I think that's like one of the problems as well with the anime crowd is they're really protective of mm, their sure. their shows and their passions. And I think you're, this is gonna come through in the movies unless these movies are a success. You're probably gonna see a lot of online hate and bad. Yeah, but you just need a studio to have the balls to to go ahead and cast 
someone that isn't as famous. Yeah. Make a yeah. good movie, have a hit, and then... But there's just fear in Hollywood. No one wants to invest $150 million in a film without, a, you know... Yeah. An A-lister that is going to guarantee bums on seats, so it's... We'll see. I just hope they make a good movie. Well, it's interesting, to, like, going back to your A Few Good Men thing, I was thinking, mm. when you were talking about, oh, all the hype was about, you know, watching two actors go yeah. at it. Mm-hmm. Just, that doesn't happen anymore. No one, no one wants to watch acting they want to watch just people they like the faces of walking yeah. around like it's such a strange shift in like business strategy to create that kind of stuff i don't really get why we're there yeah well event i mean that was an event movie but event movies are only the special effects ones now yeah, exactly. really. yeah yeah well but, sounds like you've pitched it to me well i actually want to see this movie now it's 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 a great show i'd recommend watching it and it's one of those um shows as well that's maybe like 20 or 30 episodes long it's not one of those so insanely you can get through it, get through yeah. it in, in you know a week or two I definitely recommend it and hopefully fingers crossed it'll be a good movie as well yeah Batman yes I'm gonna go weirder so I still haven't seen Batman vs Superman I'm not sure I have any intention you're in a good place to be honest yeah if anyone wants to know anything about Batman vs Superman we have a lot of content so that's why we're not talking about this week no it's been non-stop on the side I'm going everyone's probably sick of it they don't need another like Batman v Superman discussion. No, well, so I'm, I'm, going, I'm doing that later today on the Superhero Show. <gasps> well, of no. course. Oh God, <laughs> I'm going tangential with this. Yeah. So uh, basically, I'm just going to bring up a cool thing that I've done. <laughs> I've heard the only detail I know about Batman versus Superman is there is a bit where Batman hits a big tire with a hammer for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only yeah. thing I know. Yeah, it's pretty hot. So, well, <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It. Let's, not, let's not beat around the and, bush. And um, so I, was, I got to thinking, what other weird things has Batman done? And I've compiled a short quiz. Okay. Right? I'm excited. So I'm genuinely excited. real things that Batman has done in his history as a comic book character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll ask you a question, and then there'll be three multiple choice answers. Okay. Ooh, right, I like we'll this. Start, we'll start simple. Uh, in one issue, the Rainbow Batman, Batman wears different coloured suits every night for one issue. But why? A. To distract from Robin's arm. B. To get invited to an evil fashion show. Or C. To detective baddies can't see certain colours like dogs with purple. Evil fashion show, I think. What was the first one? <laughs> to distract from Robin's arm. That's so weirdly specific. I'm, I don't I'm, know what that I'm means. I'm going to go to distract from Robin's arm. It is to distract from Robin's arm. Robin injures his arm fighting <laughs> someone, and <laughs> Batman's way of protecting yeah. his identity is not to say, Robin, recuperate for a few nights. It's, I'm going to wear pink and yellow suits instead. We've all done it. Yes. Have we all yeah. done it? Yeah, I've, I've worn... Well, uh, well, we were just on a trip and I wore crazy shoes to distract from all the cuts and bruises you got in oh, our fights. Oh, yeah, in those Swedish bar fights. <laughs> in our Swedish fights. I, I picked At the arm- evil fashion show. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I picked that answer because I didn't think you'd make up to distract from a no, I thought that was two weird that's things. Why that's, such a, yeah, that's, why like- went, that's why I said that was the easy one. Well, Damn it. I should have okay. just gone for it. Um, okay. After a major trauma, Batman begins to see dot 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 A. Joker's face on the back of everyone's heads. B. The bat symbol replaced by a big winking emoji style face. Or C. A tiny floating homunculus version of himself. I'm going to go with C. I'm going to go with A. It is C. You oh, are you're on joking it. me! There is a character called Batmite 
who has repeated... You know this, don't you? Yeah. I thought it might be Batmite. Yeah, so... He's, um, he's not the most popular character Bat-mite. in the Bat universe. He appeared um, <laughs> as, like, an interdimensional character for years, and then they got rid of him. And then in um, it's Grant Morrison's uh, Batman R.I.P. arc, there's... <laughs> Loads of weird shit happens in that arc. Like Batman has his brain um, turned off, and he has to—he has a backup personality called the Batman of Zurenar, oh, and he like—he's a sort of tramp superhero for a while. It's amazing. Wouldn't it be so great if it—if Bat? What is it, Batmite? Batmite, yeah. Appeared in like uh, Justice League, like, oh, like a tiny so little good. Ben Affleck, be like, "Hey, bigger Batman!" Yeah, because it's—it's like a tiny little like creepy. This elf thing with a massive head, but in a bat suit. It's so good. That sounds Batman great. is weird as hell. <laughs> uh, C. Have fun, Ben. See, uh, sorry. Question three: Batman gets addicted to Bane's super juice, Venom, and dot dot dot. A grows a massive beard. B keeps uncontrollably laughing at weird times. And C meditates in a locked bat cave for thirty days. Oh, I really hope it's A. <laughs> you can go first. I've gone first every time though, and I've lost. What goes the last time? Uh, a, the beard. I want to go C. I want a bad beard. It's a trick question. He does all of those things. Ah, nice. Whoa! So I he get gets, a point. He has some. <laughs> that's like a whole weird thing where he gets addicted to drugs, but they just happen to be Bane's drugs and make him really angry and strong. It's very strange. Um, question four: The Riddler once tricked Batman into a punching a baby. B cutting a baby's throat or C listening to the equals hit baby come back on repeat in the Batmobile for a whole issue B is way too dark what was the first one punching a baby punching a baby would they put that in a comic I think maybe C I've gone for what I think is right and I'm not going to do that anymore C I think it's C I'm going to go A you're both wrong. It is cutting a baby's throat. Mm. Jesus, that's it horrible. It is in the process of a tracheotomy. He think, the Riddler tricks him into thinking he's pushed a ping pong ball down a baby, and then Batman cuts it out, mm. but he hasn't. It's oh really weird and dark. Yeah, that is horrible. Batman's creepy. And our final question, this is quite a long one. Uh, so in an issue where, well, this happens... Batman travels back in time with Superman to see his identical Civil War general ancestor and nearly gets burnt at the stake for being an 18th century witch because Superman is jealous that he stole a kiss from a nearly drowned woman. But who tries to save Batman and how? So let me point out, all of that first bit, that's just true. That's taken as read. Yeah. Who tries to save Batman and how? A. Abraham Lincoln by unexpectedly chopping a cherry tree onto Superman. B. Benjamin Franklin by getting lightning to hit the town stocks. Or C, General Ulysses S. Grant by getting an army to invade the town. Don't think it's me, Grant. I don't think a tree would stop Superman unless it's a <laughs> kryptonite tree. B, B it is. Okay, I was thinking B, but as you've gone for B, I'm going to go for C. It is B. Benjamin yes, Franklin getting lightning to hit the town stocks. Although it doesn't work because Batman just stops the lightning in the air with his hands. Right. <laughs> That sounds quite Back to the Future to me, that one. Yeah, it does. Very weird. I like that one. Um, So, yeah, that's Batman's weirdest moments in a quiz. (laughs) I like it. Good work, Joe. Thank Uh, you. Rory, your final... Moving along with really, really weird moments. Mm. So, me and Joe were on a work trip the other day to Sweden, and just before I got on my flight, there's a band that I really like called Anna Managuchi, and recently they did a press release to uh, GameSpot announcing a video game that they've been allegedly working on for three years. A first-person shooter RPG. Yeah. 
And now this is just a band that, granted, they make some like video game theme music. Yeah, they did Scott Pilgrim versus yeah, the world. Yeah, they did Scott Pilgrim versus right? the world. They've had some some songs on Rock Band and stuff. But just out of the blue, they're like, oh, surprise everyone, we've been working on a video game for the last three years that star us as characters in the game. It was mm. the weirdest thing in the world. Um, so they did a whole press release. There were some photos from the game. Everyone was getting quite excited. And then all of a sudden, they had the band had sort of a meltdown on Twitter. And things got really ugly, and they started screenshotting photos and conversations between them and the developer, a company called NHX, just of all this like awful stuff, all this back and forth. Then they started insulting the developer and talking about how bad the game was and was a waste of their lives and all this horrible stuff. And then the last thing they did was just go, screw it, here it is, here's the game, and just uploaded a, like a demo of the game to show investors. Well, yeah, originally that it was, it's like E3 2015 investor demo or something yeah. it says in the corner. With like a really weird PDF document to give to investors about the, the plans. So already this whole thing was really, really strange. Um, so of course, what do you do? You download the game and, mm. and try playing it. Uh, and at the start, it just feels like a really terrible game. A terrible game, like really bad graphics. It barely kind of works. It's just first person. All the backdrops are like pixelated JPEGs yeah. of mountain ranges yeah. and stuff. You can stuff. still download like, this game, by the way, and I definitely recommend that you do the just for the experience. It's the only thing on Anna Managuchi's Twitter account They deleted point. all their tweets and just, just left this one. just got one tweet left. <laughs> um, it's, it's so weird. So essentially, you kind of progress through this, the, the first level till you get to a point where there's this goblin creature and there's a gun on the floor and you have to shoot the goblin creature. But when you pick it up and try and shoot it, the game locks up and freezes and it says, you know, like, whatever, subject not found, all the code error comes down and gives you, like, a list of commands. You can do, like, a help, a search, a load level, some some things like that. And if you experiment around a little bit, you realize the only thing that you can actually load is the, the sandbox level, which is essentially where the developers just go to muck about with everything that's in the game. It's just a pile of trash. Um, but you go there and there's this creature called Frog, who's like a robot. <laughs> Frog's amazing. And you kind of... you pick him up and you just think like this is just going to be a weird glitchy area and all of a sudden like he starts talking to you about the band and the developer and the problems and the more you explore this weird just like little glitchy area you start finding these cassette tapes on the floor and you can you can pick up the tapes and put them into frog the robot and he starts playing music and and he's like um uh, Gertie from Duncan Jones's Moon. He's just a robot with like a series of badly drawn emojis for faces, yeah. which is really odd. Uh, it's an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, and so like the more you explore, you find these tapes and you start finding really weird things. Like there was a crack on the floor and we opened up a secret passageway to go down into a building and you find all these weird things. And like, It's all more full tapes. of like fan art by their actual fans with links to their Tumblr pages and stuff. Yeah, like, and there's, it's, a, it's so strange. And there's all these kind of puzzles you have to work out and essentially uh what it comes down to is that the band i think i don't know who they're working with this developer nhs but the idea is that the whole issues and the problems was fabricated and that this is the game the sandbox is the game and they have a whole album of music or like released inside of this this game there's at least 30 tracks yeah that are really hard to get out of it. Like, you have to do a really complicated process just to export one MP3, and then it just crashes the game and you have to do it all again. So, But we, we were laughing as well, because you start to work all this out and you, you get really into it, because you're like, we need to find the puzzles, we need to get the tapes. And then it gets to this end point where you put whatever tape you want into this mechanism, and when you flip the switch, you can export that MP3. So it's quite clever. You have to go mm. back and play it to get yeah. the tracks. Um, 
But then it turns out that every time someone flips that switch, uh, the robot frog's memory is erased. <laughs> and he like comp- does this like existential lament yeah. where he's like, how many times have you flipped the switch on me? Like, like he's freaking out that he he's lost his memory He starts getting really scared. He starts thinking, which is quite scary as well because uh, if you have to do that to get the tapes it maybe you have done it 10 times <laughs> yeah. and then every time he's like how many times have you flipped this switch it's like does our friendship mean nothing and you're like i'm sorry frog i need this track and you'd like flip it and he's like ah in the game like it's really weird that's crazy um, but it's like it's the most innovative way i've ever heard of someone releasing music before yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an, such an it's an album insane. hidden inside a video game hidden inside another video game hidden inside a fake news story it's incredible it's, in, it's unbelievable i think even if you know the music isn't your style it's definitely worth you can download for free PC and Mac uh, yeah. on Anamanaguchi's Tumblr and online and it's just a really fun experience and yeah. really interesting I definitely recommend it I'm pretty convinced it's by this group of weird developers called the Arcane Kids who did a thing last year called Sonic Dreams Collection where they claim to have found a load of like broken demos of Sonic games that they'd hacked in and found and it was just like a strange art project about like making Sonic do creepy things in video games yeah it was, it's amazing and I, I, they, they seem so closely linked um, yeah it must be I'd be really similar because I don't think NHX is a real company no I, th- I think they are made up yeah well forget these games to play with non-gamers I'm going to play that one yeah, it's, it's, it's weird it is it. weird but Very it is strange. definitely fun it's great it. well that was Breaking Rad but we're going to move on to Breaking Sad oh, no. I don't know if we've ever used that before or if no I, just I don't made think so I made it up that's a good one because yeah. sometimes we have the just off the worst ones yeah. it's like a minute going in and we're like should we be I don't know what was it bum or rum yeah <laughs> bum, bum was one of the ones that kicked it all off really bum or bum rum. And rum but I didn't know it yeah. I didn't know which one was good yeah it's very gav that one good. Come good. On. I'm going to keep it on a musical tip hmm. uh, but actually the more I think about it I don't know if this is good or bad news okay so Oscar winning composer Hans Zimmer is retiring from the superhero scene uh, he told the BBC that he did Batman Begins with Chris Nolan 12 years ago, uh, The Dark Knight, three movies to you. It was 11 years of my life, and he's just done. So he will have done. Um, so I thought this was a sad thing, because I really like his scores. Yeah. But equally, if he's done five of them, that's a lot, yeah. isn't it, for any one person to be doing. And he's probably explored everything he wanted to. I mean, I really like the way that the, the Dark Knight scores kind of build and embellish on each other yeah. and equally like Batman v Superman I think really nicely takes the, the Man of Steel score which I thought was really good I like listening to that when I'm writing and took it to another place so maybe it's not a bad thing that he's moving on he's just left a good a good backdrop but equally I think he's been a blessing and a curse mm. to the genre because uh, although I really like his scores they're kind of these weird percussive you know uh, they have this great momentum to them mm-hmm. but they're totally different to what John Williams did with Superman where it mm. had a proper hero theme yeah. that you could whistle or you could sing in your head I think it's but I guess that's, that's and, and, and no one does that anymore everyone does a Hans Zimmer that's what you want for your trailer for your movie is a Hans Zimmer style score mm. and so we don't have those iconic themes anymore we have these kind of driving well the one th- one thing we have from Hans Zimmer's uh, superhero stuff is Batman's like that's all yeah. I can think of that's the whole thing yeah. now I think it like the last time I heard a movie that had that sort of John Williams style like superhero that little motif you know that mm. would kick in was mm. I think it was Captain America the first mm-hmm. Avenger and it had a motif that would play yeah. like when he uh 
brings the soldiers back from the war and you see him walking up and it plays that little motif and yeah. you're just like, yeah, this is a good feeling. I hate that scene. You hate that scene? <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it. But I think with um, with Zimmer, it's a little different because it's just as you said, uh, I feel like these the DC movies... Like that's the tone of it is this like percussive build up like quite, quite dark. I think if you had a scene where maybe like Batman is fighting someone and it like kicks in with this melody that you know, yeah. they don't really have those moments. Nah, sure, no. agreed. I think the closest I kind of got to that was without giving too much away a moment in the end of Batman v Superman mm. where something happens and a group of people are together and this riff kicks in and then it's just as you said it's this like melody and you get really excited and that sort of builds builds up the yeah, moment yeah no, I quite agree but something like Ant-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy could have a fun theme that you whistle along mm. Guardians of the Galaxy especially I feel you can yeah. do with one yeah um, but I mean equally it has a fantastic soundtrack it does but like I mean there is other music in that it would be nice to have like a proper theme in amongst all of that yeah. great license I, I stuff. interviewed him last week actually which was a real like ambition of mine and he was lovely and mad and really eccentric and uh, it, odd and just great and he was saying that he, he nearly didn't take the Man of Steel job because he didn't want to step into John Williams shoes he said yeah. it, was, it was a really terrifying thing to do but um have you got a favourite Hans Zimmer score? I don't think you can... Well, uh, well, a uh, uh, superhero score or general? No, just general one. I mean, you can't really look past Inception. That, that like, changed all <laughs> music in trailers yep. for blockbusters for what's well, still going. Yeah. Everything still has the big horns. There's that, there's that signature track as well in Inception that, I you mean, you hear it everywhere now. It's mm. like people throw it on all their internet videos, which really sucks because I loved it. Yeah. And it's the one, you know, the piano one that starts really slow and just builds and yep. builds and builds till so it's just full orchestra booming. Incredible track. Absolutely incredible. That's, yeah. that's my favorite of all yeah. of his, his pieces. I got to see Interstellar with a, his live score last year. Really? At the Royal Albert Hall. That was amazing. It was him on stage beforehand talking with Nolan and Kip Thorne and um, Stephen Hawking introduced them. Oh, that's amazing. And I spoke to him about it the other day. He was saying just hearing Stephen Hawking say his name was just, he said it was mind-blowing. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that, the whole Chris Nolan, you know, the partnership they've got has been really good. Yeah. Um, two of my favourites are uh, Gladiator and Pirates. Uh, I think Gladiator it, two, it's two scores that really help make the movies yeah I think and the Pirates theme is, is better than the films I think especially he, in did, the sequel. Pirate, he did the Pirates theme yeah yeah well that's like that's a perfect yeah, that example of a theme that literally like yeah. everyone was like I heard that's that. a superhero theme really. yeah, yeah. Oh, it is yeah, yeah. I heard that, that from Pirates another song. room in my parents house the other day I was like yeah, someone's watching Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you do it's know great. immediately. It's great. There's two from the 90s I'd recommend, Backdraft and Crimson Tide. No, um, kind of 90s thrillers, but they had, it was when he was doing a slightly different thing, but they really remember, they became the theme, they became the scores that then everyone else used on their trailers. Oh, yep. yeah. Uh, Classic. Which meant that he hit on something. There's one thing that, I, I have a, like a movie scores uh playlist on my Spotify and there's one that I've stopped doing it now because I've got some but there's one that whenever it comes on I think wow that's a, such a fantastic piece of music I've really what what score is that and I look at it and it's Hans Zimmer I'm like, oh cool it's Hans Zimmer and then it's from The Holiday oh wow <laughs> <The> romantic, <laughs> you know this film that I hate with a passion but it just happens to have this theme that I found that it really I says something about the music if you and, to test the movie and finally on this one I don't know did either of you remember the 
TV quiz show Going for Gold with Henry Kelly? I don't, I don't think I ever okay, saw it. Okay, you need to check out that theme tune afterwards because I found out the other day that Hans Zimmer did the theme tune for this in the 1980s. <laughs> Bloody hell. And it's a proper like tea time uh, quiz show that your mum would watch. <laughs> and it's really... It's <gasps> really... Yeah, I was going to say, it's like... It's really... Going for Gold. It's really naff and it's really awful and it's nothing like what he does. But you know what? Once you hear it, you cannot get it out of your head. I love it. So we'll embed it in the in the podcast story on the site if people want to check wow, it out it'd be a really fun thing to see like you know like early compositions by incredibly famous composers yeah but he, he was on he was on TV being interviewed this week and he was saying people still come up to him and bring it up like <laughs> really yeah he said he met someone famous and he, he was all excited to hear what this person was going to say to him and he was like he did the guy for coffee <laughs> I love the thought of you doing a phone interview with him and him being like, oh, hang on a second. And he puts you on hold and it's just Hans Zimmer music <laughs> just like for like 45 minutes. And then he'd be like, did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like finding out that like blankety blank was like Wagner or something. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> if you mounted a, a, a photograph of him on a wall, would it be a Zimmer frame? Oh, love it. Okay, love, love it. Moving love on. It. <laughs> That's why people listen to this podcast. Uh, Joe, you have a question. Yeah, I want someone to explain to me what the hell is going on with the Jungle Book movie or movies. Because there's uh, two movies. Yeah, there are two movies, right? Coming out a year apart, I think. And so one's Disney and one's Roger Clip. Yeah, yeah, so this year we're getting the Disney. Uh, uh, the, the Disney cartoon was based on Roger Kipling, but they changed a lot and turned it into a musical. Mm. And John Favreau is now, uh, well, he's finished um, doing a CGI live action version of it. Right. And so it's going to have the songs, mm-hmm. and it's going to have, uh, it's got a really big name cast playing the animals, and then uh, just a little kid they've cast who's huh. a cute little kid. I've seen some footage from it. He's the cutest little kid. Um, so these are going to be. Realistic CGI animals singing show tunes? These are photo real animals singing uh, Bare Necessities and I Want to Be Like You. Wow. <laughs> this is great. They've cast... Um, Someone needs to like cut that movie with footage from The Revenant. <laughs> that, would be, that would be amazing. Scarlett Johansson plays Carr. She's got a okay, great voice. Okay. Uh, ben Kingsley is uh, Bagheera. Crystal Walken is King Louis. That's brilliant. I've seen some of that footage, and that's kind of crazy when they go into his palace and all his, you know, he's got his monkey army with him. Mm. There's some weird stuff in that movie. Yeah, it's going to be strange. What about those vultures that are the Beatles? (laughs) (laughs) I want that back. Bill Murray is Baloo. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And the one problem I've had with it so far, actually, and I'm having this problem with a lot of films at the moment, is Idris Elba. Mm who I'm, I'm a fan of, but he's Shere Khan. And for some reason, I could suspend my disbelief when I was watching footage of all these other huge stars. Mm. But as soon as he rolled up with his Cockney accent and his sort of Brixton voice, I just... It took me out of the movie. I, I think his voice is a bit wooden. And he's in Zootropolis, and he's going to be in Finding uh, Dory this summer. So I don't know what kind of deal he's done with Disney. <laughs> But how, how was it with Zootropolis? Was it jarring? It or? took me out of it a little bit. I, yeah. it from that I just the other feel day. like I'm watching. Strange. I just feel like I'm watching Luther. Idris Elba voice a character. Yeah, and so it's a, maybe it's just it's a personal thing. Uh, I, I really don't rate Idris Elba. Like he's amazing as Stringer Bell, but I've yeah. never fully enjoyed another role he's done after that. It's I, really strange. I, I like Luther, and I, I don't like Luther anymore. And I'm not. I, a I don't want to be bothered. But anyway, that, I, I hope that's you know. It, it looks really interesting. Mm. Like. I wasn't too bothered about the film, but but just seeing it in terms of what they've achieved artistically, mm. it's 
really, really impressive. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the Idris Elba was the reason I brought this up because me and my brother had like almost a full argument about who was playing Shere Khan because he mm. was going Idris Elba Shere Khan. I was like, no, it's Cumberbatch. I've heard him do the voice because he was on Kermode and Mayo doing a Shere Khan right. impression a while back. And I was like, he sounds amazing, and, and we had this massive bust up. And we both looked it up and found the respective films we right. were talking about it and never saw that there was any connection between yeah. them. So Circus is doing what will probably be a much more brutal version of yeah. it. Uh, it's him directing for the first time. Uh, okay. Um, and it's not coming out till way after. So I went to a presentation where Favreau was talking about it and he was like, they're going to be different. They're going to, you know, as a musical. Mm. So... How does that happen, though? How do two places just um, go, yeah, Jungle Book, let's do it? I think that Circus announced his first mm. and then Disney were like, we, you know, they're remaking all their films in yeah. live action, and I think they saw an opportunity to get it done. Get which it one? Which first. one do we think is going to be better? I'm looking forward to circuses more, just because it will be different. Like, yeah, I love the Jungle Book. Jungle Book's amazing. I don't want a new version, particular of the Disney one, particularly. Like, I don't like the story. I don't like the story to the Jungle Book. I don't. It's but it's got two of my favorite really? songs. Yeah. Mm. So, necessities. Uh, yeah, and I want to be like you. So I'm. I'm a bit indifferent, if I'm honest. Yeah. It'd be strange. Do you think with the photorealism, they're going for the, like, that avatar appeal? Like, people will say, you have to see this movie because it looks incredible, I rather think, than the actual story that I think that there is an element of, of people trying to wow people. Yeah. You know, which is how real it looks. It's out soon, actually. Yeah, I'm I've, supposed I've to be interviewing Favreau next, in a couple of weeks, mm. so. Um, so there's, yeah. there's pictures of them with their CGI Yeah. I think they'll start cranking but, out pictures now I mean I think it could be a huge hit but hmm. I'm yeah how I'm, did Cinderella do last it? year it was massive it was, was it it was absolutely huge no one ever talked about it the live action Cinderella yeah that's out that, that came that out happened? last year yeah because yeah. it's part of Disney's new weird schedule where they have like they sort of have their down home American like, their Disney cinematic nice universe <laughs> and then they have their remake and then they have a Marvel film and then but, they have a Star Wars film but these film. films are the only blockbusters getting released with female lead characters that's really true. strong interesting characters so I think it's brilliant what they're doing hmm. Maleficent, uh, Maleficent wasn't I don't think was Disney but yeah Cinderella and they've got they've got a bunch more coming so. oh I can't wait for Beauty and the Beast oh, that one will be incredible I, I watched Cinderella and it was it was a really it was a really nice film hmm. really well done great Cool, and finally, Rory. Yeah. What's, what's this all about? It's some reported information about the new Call of Duty game coming in 2016. And, you know, new Call of Duty, everyone is now pushing towards uh, going back to World War II, going back to Vietnam, taking it back. We've got Destiny, we've got The Division, we've got all these games where it's kind of set in the future, high-tech um, so everyone's like, let's strip it back. Let's go back to World War II. Let's, you know, make a real mm. gritty, like, first-person shooter again. Uh, COD 2016 will allegedly be uh, even further into the future it's than the, the previous one. the future, apparently. So far that it will allegedly include space fights. Just, like... I don't know it? who's asking for this. No. I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't. The, the last one that came out, Black Ops 3, uh, people have said... This new one makes Black Ops 3 feel like the Stone Age. Now, Black Ops 3 has people with prosthetic robot arms. Shooting lightning. Shooting lightning and lasers. <laughs> that's, if that's the Stone Age, it's just it's unbelievable. I'm getting quite nervous now that because of the success of Destiny as a game, that all these FPS games are now trying to gravitate towards something that... that um, 
like a, a time zone that allows this level of customization and like mm. abilities that extend usual human body mm. when sure that's a great thing in terms of if you want to do a lot of DLC and microtransactions and you know leveling up and different guns but you could equally do that in the setting of a World War II shooter. Well, the, the strange thing about it is, like, the reason people who like Destiny like Destiny is because it's dumb fantasy space opera. They're all, like, mad... They're all warlocks and magicians yeah. and there's aliens and stuff. Like, future Call of Duty isn't going to be able to do that. They're not going to have, like, gritty, hard-boiled soldiers going, now I shoot fireballs. Like, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's so getting no weird, fun. and it's getting to the point now where I'll see screenshots from COD games and I'll think it's Destiny... Mm. Or or Halo or something. And I'm, it's just it's the world's becoming a lot smaller, and I don't want to lose that variety. I would love to occasionally hop on to like a, a World War One, World War Two shooter. Yeah. I think that would be incredible. Well, the other, fantastic. I mean, the other rumors that Battlefield Five is is in World War One, which yeah. would be great. Like because that's such a weird war to try and play with. Like, what do you do with that? I, I want to see someone. But it's interesting. Try it. it's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely different. Like somewhere I've never been and um, probably don't want to be. But you know, now also. again, that's that. This is just um, industry insider information. Yeah. The person who made these claims has been right in the past about a lot of information. Yeah. So we don't know yet, but. I don't know. I'm not entirely sold yet. I, yeah. I don't. I'd have to be pretty wild by some gameplay mechanics to justify going into space battles again. It'll be announced at E3, so we'll find out. We will. We will. So stay tuned. We will have it covered. Right on to feedback. Yeah. Uh, first piece. I think I've got. Is it me? One. Yep. I've got, oh, I've got number two. So this is from Adam. That means you're second. By the that way. That means I'm second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Joe, you me. Right? No. What? Joe. Just let Joe speak. Bloody okay. hell. <laughs> hey guys, I've been really enjoying your Prepare to Try series. Oh, yeah. And it has inspired me to tackle a Souls game soon. Nice. You've Congratulations. inspired someone. How do you feel about inspired. it? Inspired. Ins- uh, this is like a feedback. He's loop. inspired me. I'm not normally patient enough for those kind of games, but I'm willing to learn and put the effort in. I wondered should I attempt Bloodborne, which I have a copy of, or wait for Dark Souls 3? I'm curious to know whether Rory will be giving either of these a shot after completing Dark Souls. Great questions. Great questions. Um, yeah, we've had some really awesome responses to the series. Really, really positive. So positive that we should not stop it. And we are already in talks about what we're going to be doing next. Whether it be uh, Bloodborne is one of the games and Dark Souls 3 is another one of the games that we're thinking about doing. Um, from what I know about Bloodborne, it... I mean, we were talking about it uh, mm. yesterday quite a lot, but it's a bit more fast-paced and a bit more... It's about more about aggression than defense, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, but equally, you know, I think they're both fantastic games. I have heard a lot about Dark Souls 3. I am unbelievably excited to hop into that world. I think maybe Dark Souls 3 might be a good one if you have the money to get it, because it's it's always fun to be in the hype of a game when it comes yeah. out to play along with the rest of the world. Well, and it's also like part of the interest of a one of those games coming out is that they're so obtuse and they're so weird and like unlike other games, particularly yeah. in the storylines. Like having to find your way around that and then hearing whispers from other people like maybe there's something over here maybe there's something mm-hmm. you know like maybe there's a weapon I can find through this weird means yeah that experimentation that's kind of part of the game and Definitely. when you're playing games five years later when they've been rinsed and every secret has been found out it's 
slightly less I mean it's still brilliant if you don't know yeah but I think it's slightly less no, exhilarating I, I totally agree I totally agree like a lot of the, the story and the narrative in these games is implied mm. it's very ambiguous so to play a game where no one else really knows what's going on and maybe you can be part of that community just trying to figure mm. things out I think that would be an awesome experience so yeah I would definitely say dive into Dark Souls 3 and then once you have fun with that you can go back to Bloodborne I think it's, that's Indeed. a good way to do it. But I'm glad you're enjoying the series. Praise the sun. <laughs> uh, so I have number two, and this is from Edward. And he says, before I listened to last week's podcast, I was happily watching Daredevil, enjoying every single aspect of the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, including Foggy. Oh, jeez. Then I listened to your podcast in which you pointed out everything that was annoying about the character. Since then, I can no longer watch the show without cringing every time he says a line or pulls a stupid face. That's like the opposite of inspiration. We've yeah, done that too. We've, we've, we can ruin a show for someone. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I still love Daredevil. I'm greatly enjoying uh, John Bernthal's Punisher. And I think that Charlie Cox was made to play Daredevil. I completely agree. Mm. Yet I must say that last week's discussion has tainted my enjoyment of it slightly. I'm sorry that we did that to you, Edward. Mm. Um, P. Yes, I also heard you say on last week's show that The Grey was a terrible film. I'd just like to say that I think it's actually one of Liam Neeson's best films in years. I think I... Was it you that said The Grey I was? I said I'd heard it was... Well, maybe I just said it was a terrible film. I've never watched it. I've, I've heard it's I haven't bad. seen it either. <laughs> it's not a terrible film. Is it not? No, it was disappointing in that the trailer suggested it was a film about Liam Neeson fighting a wolf. With wine bottles strapped to his hands. And it barely really happens in the film. Okay. Like, it does, doesn't... It, that's not what the film is. Yeah. It's a really, really good film. Is it's it? so dark and grim and it's a bit weird and it's just very unusual like it's different but I recommend checking the grey out I'm, I'm with you Edward I apologise it's, you... it's better than watching you know Liam Neeson do what he's been doing a lot of lately I just assumed it was that but against a wolf it's got, instead it's got of a lot more. It's, it's a lot more going on in the grey than you think there's more huh. than meets the eye it's about it's a really sort of quite a powerful film about death well where do you stand with the lovable Foggy. Um, what side are you on? We, we Team Foggy? We, we, we talked <laughs> about him at length on the Superhero show, yeah. so I've said all I need to say. I don't need to keep being negative, but yeah, I was not a fan of his. Okay. Paul McLaughlin writes in and says, uh, long-time listener, first time writing in. Hi, Paul. My question is, do you think DC would have been better off releasing Suicide Squad sooner than Batman v Superman? Regardless of quality, Batman v Superman was always going to make a ton of money. I feel that the poor reviews of the film and mixed feelings of fans will hurt the momentum of Suicide Squad. Perhaps it would have been better for Suicide Squad to come out first and benefit from the combined momentum uh, of the two films. That's interesting. That's yeah, kind it's of like, quite interesting. That's, that's like some quite complex business analysis going on. It's quite interesting. I, I, yeah. I first yeah. read this and thought, yeah. And then I was like, oh, hold on. He's actually got a point. <laughs> like, there is a sense that, yeah, you're right. Even though Batman versus Superman, what, has taken half a billion dollars already yeah. or something, like... I um, it could hurt you know there'll it. be very specific reasons why they couldn't do it. Yeah, but as a, just as a concept, maybe it would have made more sense to do it the other way around. It's it's a, yeah. It's as you said. I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why it is the way it is. But if it was simple as putting one first, absolutely, they definitely should have led with Suicide Squad. <laughs> I think that would have been a much more it, exciting. But is that just hindsight? To, is that just hindsight? Um, I guess. But also, you would have gotten a glimpse at Ben Affleck's Batman as well, and like what he's about. And I think that would have been a nice hmm. setup for Batman v yeah. Superman. But I guess equally, you know, you've got um, some setup towards the Justice League in Batman v Superman. But then I suppose isn't like Will Smith meant to be one of the most bankable actors? in the world so like maybe they just don't care maybe they're just like we're gonna put out a Will Smith film it doesn't even matter we'll make as much money out of him was the um, most bankable was oh, who is it now oh it's Robert Downey oh no he's the highest paid 
It's, it's not really a thing anymore. Is it not? No. Why not? I because, want to know. Because what we said earlier, these films have become event films rather than actor films. So, yeah, you know, having Tom Cruise or Will Smith, you know, they've had both big budget science fiction flops mm. in the last sort of five years. And it's, you know, he was Mr. Fourth of July, Will Smith. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's not what, even it's, in Independence it's, Day. It's the characters yeah. have taken over from the um, yeah. the actors. It's, it's interesting. Uh, he also suggests IGN United for the podcast name. I think we're going with Baby Presidents, aren't we? <laughs> we were. We've, okay, <laughs> we've I, I been speculating. This, oh no, no, no! That was, that's because me and Rory have been very Sleep tired. Deprived and <laughs> just going. Yeah, Baby Presidents. The Baby President podcast, podcast name. I'd listen to that. Yeah, uh, we have our final bit of feedback from you, Jay. Here we go. This is from Scott Zeal, which is an awesome that's a name. Really cool name. Uh, from Rugby UK. As per your discussion about the Celeb VM website last week, to oh, catch right. people up, this is an incredibly sad website where um, slightly, let's say, less popular celebrities <sighs> and Gary Busey um, put... Uh, well, you can pay for video messages from them. Do you hear about this, Chris? Yes. It's, it's so sad. It's deeply just... depressing. Um, <laughs> he says, uh, yeah, as per your discussion about it, I have to confess I've used the site Really? The most recent Christmas past, I discovered the site and found Boise from Only Fools and Horses, and then paid the site for him to record a Christmas message for my dad, who is a colossal fan. It was an ironic and fun message, which he actually loved, as Boise did it really well. What I love about that is that he can't remember the guy's name. He just calls him Boise. Which... I, think, I don't think it's sad to use at all. I think oh, the no, circumstances are quite sad. But... um. It's sad to do the voice messages. Yeah, in, in this context, that's perfect. That's yeah. exactly like it would mean so much to someone. I think fan. Boise follows me on Twitter. Does he? John Chalice. I certainly follow John him. John Chalice. See, you know his name. That's yeah, just, yeah. That to me is the perfect, like, if you're the kind of celebrity who's only remembered by one character's name that you've played, you yeah. are perfect for celebrity. Well, and that, that's your home. Well, that's the joke, isn't it? In extras that he's Barry from EastEnders. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and of course. They never yeah. use his name and he's Barry from EastEnders. Barry um, from EastEnders. Yeah. I rec- what, follow John Chalice. He does some nice Boise-related tweets. Does he? A lot of personal appearances. No. He's written a book called Being Boise. I know oh more about him than God. I should. He really leans into it. But he was my favourite uh, character on 94's Horses. He is good. So, well, I'm glad he got a good message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we... we we were certainly talking about getting one done for the podcast, oh, but we can't decide who we want, like because we can't afford Boosie and we definitely can't afford Rodman. Um, but then, well, I think Gav really wants that cowboy kid that had the really sad story about. Oh, the uh, cowboy kid from Willy Wonka, he's on there. <laughs> he's no good. Apparently, he goes to conventions, just sits on he's a just table a grown by himself. Man. In his cowboy suit. Yeah. That's the only reason to have him. Like, it would be perfect for the podcast, because no one would get to see him. I don't know. These people are just making a buck. Uh, it's um, a way of life. It's, yes. I, I find it extremely fun. Uh, so, yeah. Thank so you, that Scott. is that. Yeah. Anyone yeah. else, if you've, had a, if you've had a message from a celebrity... Or if you get one. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Get, get one for IGN. Um, <laughs> the email address, as ever, is IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. And I think that's it. Anything else for any, anyone else? That's I am totally good. That's everything this week. This has been the Baby President's Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening and watching and taking part. Bye-bye. Bye.